Well, at this time, we'd like to go ahead and dismiss all the elementary and youth to their classrooms. Well, this morning for our second week of Advent, we're going to continue um, highlighting just some ministries that are doing some incredible things to share God's love with others. And this morning, we're going to have the opportunity to hear from Tammy Flowers. Tammy has been a member of Wellspring for around nine years, and about six years ago, she started up a ministry called Rescued Readers. And Tammy's ministry is pretty unique in the sense that most of the work she does takes place in Africa, and primarily in the country of Um, Is it Uganda? Uganda. So today we're going to have the opportunity to hear from her. And what started out kind of as a ministry to help bring um, um, literacy to African children has grown into so much more. So I'm not going to steal her thunder, so help me welcome Tammy this morning. Hello. Good morning. Um, like Justin said, um, in 2010, um, I stepped foot on a plane bound for Ethiopia with really no idea what my mission was. Um, ever since I was a little girl, um, in the back of my heart, I have always felt God telling me that one day um, my feet would land on African soil, but I never really knew what that meant. Um, so when in 2010, when a dear friend of mine invited me to go along with her, I didn't hesitate. But I did feel a little nervous that I didn't know exactly what was going to be happening when I got there because the team that was going had a skill set of things that I did not possess. And I wasn't sure what my role was going to look like once I got there, how God was going to use me. So when I got um, off the plane, I quickly realized that God had already prepared me to be there in my role as an educator. And I led um, kindergarten classes and um, in the, my, my leading and teaching of those classrooms, um, I was working on phonics with students. And we were just naming the letters of the alphabet because in Ethiopia and Uganda, both students have to be fluent in reading and writing English before they're allowed to go to secondary school. So if they don't pass the uh, annual exam, they stay in that grade level in primary school and they do not move on. And so they were trying to do all of this without books. Which, was, which floored me. Um, I was teaching letters one day, and the kindergartners were on it. They knew all the American letters of the alphabet, and their native language was Amharic, which is, kind of looks like Arabic. Um, so I was very impressed and told the teacher so, and I said, wow, they know their letters very well. You've been doing a good job. And what every good teacher does is they, they um, are flexible in the moment, and they bump up the rigor if the students are getting it. And so I said, is it okay if I teach some letter sounds? And she said, sure. So we go into starting teaching some letter sounds. And about two minutes into my lesson, she comes up and taps me on the shoulder and says, would you have some time today to teach me the letter sounds? And that's when it hit me. I said, okay, all right. So here's why I'm here. And um, I asked her if I could read some books to the students. They had no books in the building except for a little, I don't know if you remember, Time Life magazine. That little Time Life magazine, one of them um, about President Obama was the entire English literature that they had in their entire school. Um, So we read that, and I promised that the next year I would bring books back to their school so that they could practice learning. And that's where my my mission started. Um, That's why we call it Rescued Readers, um, which... (laughs) 
in, in ultimate wisdom. You know, you look back and you wish you hadn't done some things, and people advised me not to call it that, and I did anyway, and now I wish I hadn't because we don't really focus on reading anymore, and I'll tell you why. Um, as time grew and time went on, um, we only built libraries in schools that was in connection with an organization called Children's Hope Chest. And Children's Hope Chest is kind of like a Compassion International, a World Vision. Um, it's that kind of organization that operates off of sponsorships from other from um, affluent um, people to people that are in need. And um, the difference that I found between those organizations and Children's Hope Chest is the level of personal um, connection that you have. Um, I've been to my sponsor child's home multiple times. I've sat on her dirt floor. I've sat on her one-inch mattress that sits on that dirt floor. I've ate um, raw corn at her dinner table. <laughs> and um, I've sat in school with her. I've prayed with her. I've sang with her. I've danced with her. I know her family history. I know her father. I know um, her siblings. And we ride each other and love each other from miles and miles and miles away. And I know that can happen in those organ other organizations, but what I know from experience and researching um, is that um, you don't quite get that personal. And I feel like that God connected me to Children's Hope Chest um, because he knew that I needed to work on that, being in that level of personal in my own life. Um, I grew up in poverty myself as a young child and went to 13 different schools and um, never really learned the skill of building relationships with people because I moved so much and had such a lack of trust in people. Um, and so I know that as an adult, that's something that God for many, many years has been working on me, and I feel like taking me to Africa has truly helped um, with that. So um, this morning in my devotional, um, I felt like it was perfect for what I was talking about today, so I'm just going to read you that real quick. It said, um, it was a, a devotional um, focused on the verse, Ephesians 2, verse 9 and 10, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I truly believe that it's not about me starting a 501c3 or taking international teams to Africa. It's all about the work that God had prepared in my heart to do since I was a little girl. And um, one of the reasons that I love Children's Hope Chest is because they do have that focus on relationship. And um, one of the things before I could ever sign on the dotted line and say I wanted to be a partner of Children's Hope Chest, they asked me a question. Um, Will Crooks, who's um, one of my now um, mentors, said to me, um, you know, relationship um, which we're asking you to, to get into. This was in 2010. Um, a relationship is two-way. It's a it's a give and take. So can you articulate for me, um, you've articulated very well what you think you can do for them, but what do you think they'll do for you? And that's one of the hardest questions that anyone's ever asked me because a lot of times when you go into international ministry, um, you kind of have a savior complex, and you think you're out to save the world. I'm going to go and make everything better for everyone that lives in poverty. And um, he was so wise and to ask me that question of how was it going to shape my life, and how was the relationship going to grow in Christ through, how was I going to grow in Christ through that relationship? And so I just wanted to take a brief moment and share with you some of the ways that I have grown in Christ through that relationship. I have to pull my notes up now. 
um, I've learned about forgiveness from a man named Marcel, whose entire family was slaughtered in the Rwandan genocide. He woke up one morning and um, went out to find food and came back and found his family uh, brutally murdered. He hid underneath a coat until the good guys came and found him and saved him and took him to an orphanage. He lives side by side in the same village with the people that killed his family. And I asked him one day, Marcel, how, how do you live with these people and have love in your heart for them? And his answer to me was, I am forgiven for everything I have ever done by Christ Jesus. Why in the world would I not forgive someone? That was powerful to me. Um, Joseph. I learned about love from Joseph. Joseph is a, the Children's Hope Chest in-country director in Uganda. And he not only ministers to the Children's Hope Chest program, but he has opened up his home to young boys who um, are former um, LRA members. The Lord Resistance Army was in Uganda. Um, you might have heard of a man named Joseph Coney who encouraged young children to um, participate in a child army. Their first um, initiation into the, into the army was to kill their own family. So these are young men that have been through horrendous, horrendous acts of violence and um, have found Christ through Joseph and are now living and being cared for in his home. Mama Joy. Mama Joy is um, a mother of a child in my care point at Nabukalu. And um, she's a single mother with two children and struggles daily to live. She walks three miles every single day to cultivate a plot of land that Children's Hope Chest has given her to raise corn. And she um, works day and night from sunset to sunrise to um, harvest that corn for her family to provide for their needs. And her name is not Joy, but that's what the community calls her because she is so joyful despite her circumstances. I learned faith from Umar. Umar is the, the, um, the pastor at our care point who is a converted Muslim. And when he tells his story about um, how, his fam- how he was shunned from his family and how there were acts of violence against him when he, and he was persecuted whenever he converted but yet held on strong to his faith has taught me about um, faith through persecution. Sophie, my own sponsor child, also faces faith through persecution and looks up to Omar. Her family is a Muslim, Muslim family, and her father is a polygamist. She lives in a small little compound where she hardly sees her father but is surrounded by multiple mothers and all the mothers dislike each other, as you can imagine, <laughs> and, and um, lots of competition to be the top family. Um, Sophie goes to the care point every day to receive a Christian discipleship, um, and she's taking Christianity into her home and has been working in her mother's heart. Her mother is then, in turn, working in the hearts of the other mothers, and transformation is happening. Those are just a few examples of how um, I've grown in faith and relationship with Christ through this, um, through this project. I know that every team member that travels with me is the same. Um, I didn't even touch on um, the small projects that we do that we are helping, that we are helping our fellow friend and giving back in the relationship. And that's things like providing solar lights, providing water wells. 
um, providing school materials, books, and uniforms. Um, every, every Christmas we focus on a different project that's a need that they tell us that they have, and we come alongside them and help meet that need. We'll be traveling again in July, and um, right now we have a team of seven, and um, three of those are from Wellspring. Um, we have confirmed travelers, um, myself, and Jenny Goss. I'm calling you out, girl. Raise your hand. There she is. I, wouldn't, I didn't make her stand up with me. <laughs> and Katie Ashley, who can't be here today because she's working in the ER. Um, we still have openings available on the trip. If anyone's interested in traveling, um, feel free to let me know. I'd be happy to take you along and share in growing in your relationship with Christ through this relationship with Nabucalu. Then I have a short video to share. CarePoint in Uganda is in a small village named Nabukalu, which is in the Bugiri district. The Bugiri district is, um, has a highway that runs through it. And this highway is um, a um, frequent stop. At the Bugiri, at the Nabukalu Road, there, it is a frequent stopping place for um, traveling truckers. And so this is, a, in turn, a high-sex trafficking area. Um, children that are in our program don't have to rely on finding resources um, by means like that, especially our older girls. Um, so we're very fortunate to have Children's Hope Chest in that area. Um, we have one child left at Nabukalu Care Point that does not have a sponsor. And so I wanted to tell you about her before I finished. Her name is Mary, and she's 17 years old. Um, they're allowed to stay in the sponsorship program until they're finished with their education. So we even have some 20 and 22-year-olds that are still um, pursuing their education because Children's Hope Chest wants them to be able to get a job and a career and provide for their families um, when they exit the program. Mary is very, very shy, um, so much though, so that if you ask her a question, she won't always respond to you. She's very lost in the world right now and needs prayer and guidance. And so I ask if you're being called to sponsor her to find me after church, and I'll help you get that started. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Tammy. If you're in the process of maybe renaming your ministry, how about kicking butt for Jesus? Is that, is that good? That's the new one. Okay. Hey, you know, every time someone speaks of a, kind of a highlighted ministry, we're kind of setting a financial goal that we're trying to raise for each ministry. So our goal for Rescued Readers this Advent season is $5,000. Um, when you do work in Africa and you live in the United States, obviously your biggest expense typically is going to be travel and airfare. So we're just going to help raise money just for their funding, and travel is a big part of their funding. Um, and also, hopefully, I know her team's working hard and raising money themselves for their trip and so kind of depending on what they're able to do some of our money might also go to just helping bring supplies and resources to people in the Ugandan villages as well so please consider giving to rescued readers over the next three or four weeks and kind of like Sam Donahue said last week there's displays in the back with envelopes just write your checks to Wellspring and just put um, in the memo whatever ministry you want that money to go towards this morning we're going to take a few minutes and discuss this topic of joy. And before we dive into it, Jake kind of hit on this a little bit when the service started. I kind of want us to be on the same page with what we're referring to and what we're really talking about when we use that term joy. Joy is not happiness that is dependent upon our circumstances. 
When life's going good, you know, we're happy, right? We feel good. But when life falls apart, we're miserable, right? That happiness is gone. Joy is different. One Bible dictionary defined joy as this, and I love this. A state of mind and an orientation of the heart. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. So joy is an orientation of the heart and a settled state of contentment that knows and acknowledges that God is good, that he's in control, and that he is worthy to be praised, regardless of anything going on around us. So let's dive in and see what scripture has to say about joy. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, I believe it is page 1116. 1 John 1 verses 1 through 4. says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So in this section, the Apostle John is laying out the reality that God came to us and took on flesh and blood and walked among us. He's trying to show that God becoming man through the life of Jesus Christ is not just some fairy tale. It actually happened. John and his friends physically walked with Jesus. He says three times that they've seen him. They, they uh, touched his physical body. And proclaiming this reality of God coming to man and having relationship with them and with us is what makes their joy complete. And it's also what should make our joy complete. So if that's where joy comes from, right, nothing to do with our eternal, from our external circumstances, then why is it that so many of us, myself included, a lot of the time, seem to live somewhat of a joyless life, even as Christians? What is it that robs us of our joy? For myself, I am much more of a pessimist than an optimist. When life gets hard, my mind goes to the darkest places. Anybody else wired that way? Four people. <laughs> liars. <laughs> wow, bunch of liars here. All right. Cool. Since all you guys are great and never struggle with this, I'm just going to throw my heart out there. When life gets hard, my mind goes to the darkest place, right? Everything's terrible. My life is falling apart. It's a dumpster fire. Some of you are the opposite. Apparently, 195 of you, when life is hard, you're just like, God is in control. I'm not going to worry. And you guys drive me nuts <laughs> because I want to be more like that, and I admire that. And I think a big reason I struggle with allowing my mind just to consistently go to dark places when life is difficult is because I choose to not let joy be evident in my life and in my heart and in my mind. Rather than acknowledging that God's good, that he's in control, and that he's worthy to be praised, my default typically is to almost point the finger, point my finger at God and others and say, fix this. 
Why is this so hard? And it plays into what I talked about last week, if you were here. That's when I take matters into my own hands. And I try to fix people or fix things with my smooth words or eloquent speech. And that does not always pan out too well for me. So John's saying, if you look at that again, that the fact that God came to us, kind of like that song we sang, God with us, and offers that relationship, that is what makes our joy complete. And in some ways, we have a disadvantage to John, though, and his friends that he's kind of writing on behalf of, because none of us have ever physically seen Jesus. If you have, let me know, because that means time travel is real, and I would love to learn more about that and your experience. But we've never physically seen him. We have never physically seen Jesus look us in the eyes and audibly hear his voice. So what is it in this news that John's talking about that should make our joy complete as people who have never physically walked with Jesus? We even know that the people that walked with him didn't really even understand who he was or what his purpose was. The Jews had waited, if you don't know, over a thousand years for their Messiah to come. And they thought that his main mission, one of the biggest things he was going to do, was to destroy and tear down the walls of the Roman Empire. And they soon realized that he wasn't really concerned about that at all. His primary mission was tearing down the walls that they had built around their heart. So what is it, when we consider this story, what is it about Christ and Christmas that leaves us joyless? What is it that is keeping us ultimately from experiencing that joy? Here it is. I think the, big re- the biggest reason is because we don't really understand the magnitude of who he is and what he's done for us and how messed up we are inside. Have you ever thought of this question? What if Christ had never came to us? Who's thought of that question before? Two people. Okay. Consider this. What if Jesus Christ had never came to earth? What condition would be in if he never came to us, walked among us, died, and rose from the dead? Well, check this out. If Christ had never come to us, there would be no New Testament. There would be an Old Testament, but we could basically throw it away. Because all of the prophecies and stories that point to Christ would be useless. It would be completely false hope. If Christ had never come, he wouldn't have had the chance to die and be rose again so we could not experience. There would be no salvation. There would be no forgiveness of our sins. And there would be, God would look on us with complete wrath. Because there would be no mediator between us and God. If Jesus Christ had never came, there would be no Christian churches. Not any. Wellspring wouldn't exist. This building would have never been built. And this group of people would have never, never gathered together. Most of us probably wouldn't know each other. If Christ had never came, we wouldn't know the fullness or the full compassion of God. There would be no Christmas, no Advent, no Easter. And Paul says if he hadn't came and died, then our faith would be completely useless. Everything banks on the fact that Jesus Christ came to us. Everything. Without that truth, there is no hope. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no true understanding of love without Him coming to us. So keep that in the back of your mind. The condition we would be in, which would be horrific, 
had Christ not come to us. We're going to briefly look at the first section of a song that we've heard a million times and sang it this morning. Joy to the world. We're going to read that first section and try to tune out the melody because I know that's where our mind goes and focus on what this is really saying. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. When you hear that phrase, considering all the things we just talked about, the Lord has come, what does that stir up in you? I want to get some feedback. When you hear that phrase, the Lord has come, how does that resonate within your soul? What kind of emotions or feelings does that evoke in you, that the Lord has come? The floor is open. What does that stir in your soul? What's that? Ecstatic. Yes, good. Is that it? You got more? No, okay. No, one word, okay. You're easy to, heck, repeat. What else? What does that stir in you? Excitement, okay. I don't know who that was. Yes. What's that? Yeah, that he rescued us, yeah. Mr. Zwerick. Yeah, there's a sense of just huge relief that this dark place that we live in, that he came to save us. Yeah. Anyone else? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Brings thankfulness and peace. Yeah. Chris. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Prophecy being fulfilled. Absolutely. From centuries past. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, being completely satisfied in him. Good. Good to go, Eric. Anyone else? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Unspeakable joy. We've, we've heard that phrase a thousand times today. Joy is available to all of us, but it starts by understanding how joyless and hopeless and lost we are apart from Him, without Him coming. It's not about thinking positive thoughts. You hear that a lot. Thinking happy thoughts or the self-help stuff. It's about focusing on who He is, the magnitude of who He is and what He's done. Because that trumps everything in our life. Everything. And it is my hope that we would be a church, not only this Advent season, but extending on into 2017 and beyond, that understands with our heart, soul, mind, and strength that joy is found in who He is, Him coming to us and desiring a relationship with us. That is the joy of Christmas. And He wants to know you and be intimate with you. Are you open to responding to Him? Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, You are so good. Man, I'd never really thought much of until this week of the condition we would be in if you hadn't come. God, it would be horrible knowing that our sins would not be forgiven, that you would look on us in complete wrath because your son hadn't come and died for us. 
God, every, every ounce of joy and hope and peace that we long for is found in you, Jesus. And God, from the bottom of my heart and our hearts, thank you for giving up your life and forsaking heaven to walk among us sinners and to show us how to live and to love each other. God, you were the perfect example of love and peace and joy. God, so as we sing this last song, just may our hearts just be attuned to you and just surrender to you completely. In Jesus' name, amen.